السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمد عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد Welcome to another lesson of Quranic progression inshallah ta'ala today we will continue with our tafsir of surah al-inshiqaq and last week we covered uh, two or three verses in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was describing the uh, describing the people who received a record of deeds behind their back and Allah azza wa jal mentioned that when they receive their record of deeds behind their back, those people will call out for destruction upon themselves. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, well, these were the people that used to be in the dunya, happy with their families, happy with their people. They enjoyed their time in the dunya. They took their blessings in, their dun- in the dunya. They, they, uh, they, they used the dunya in, in one way or another to... Uh, to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then Allah azza wa mentions that they also thought that they would never turn, return back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so these are the people that thought that they would never turn back to Allah azza wa they wouldn't come back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then Allah azza wa says bala but rather they will do so and indeed Allah azza wa was ever watching ever knowing of them so this was the portion uh, the last in the last uh, lesson these were the two or three verses that finished off that portion of the surah in which Allah Azza spoke about the description or gave us to us the description of the people who received their record of deeds behind their back. And inshallah ta'ala today we go on to what is the second part of the surah, the latter part of the surah. So Allah Azza from the beginning of the surah, as we know, just as a brief recap, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins the surah by taking an oath. Uh, taking an oath about the heavens, taking an oath about the earth, and how they will be transformed and changed on Yom Al-Qiyamah. So on the day of judgment, the earth will be rent asunder. The, sorry, the heavens will be rent asunder. The earth will be spread out and made to lie flat. And Allah says, And they must do so. They, they must do so and they have no choice in the matter as Allah will command them to do so on the, that day of judgment. And after mentioning this issue of Yom Al-Qiyamah, and how things will change, how creation will change on that day. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then addresses people, mankind, ya ayyuhal insan, or people. Verily you are toiling laboriously towards your Lord. You are going towards that day of judgment, towards that meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, towards the recompense that you will receive for the deeds that you accumulated in the dunya. Each and every single person is making that journey towards the akhirah. Some of the self, some of the companions used to say, Every single day that passes by, a part of you goes with that day, meaning you're a step closer to death. Every single day that you live is another day that is close to your, your ending, to your death. And then Allah Azza wa mentions that on that day then, this day that everyone is working towards or going towards, whether they want to or they don't, willingly, unwillingly, each and every single one of us is going towards that day. On that day, people will then be divided into two groups. Those who will receive their record of deeds in their right hand, those are the people that will, will call out and, and show happiness and joy. They will call out to their families and they will be reunited with them. 
those are the people that Allah will honor and those are the people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bless and those are the people that Allah will favor on that day and then as we've mentioned over the last couple of weeks the second group of people are those who will receive their record behind their backs and those are the people who will receive their record behind their backs that will call upon themselves with destruction they are the ones who enjoy their time in the dunya and as a result they thought that they would never turn back to return back to Allah Azza wa Jal that there would be no qiyamah for them there would be no resurrection there would be no accounting for them in terms of their deeds and so Allah Azza wa Jal says rather that is not the case bala inna rabbahu kana bihi basira so in today's lesson now we come to the latter part of this surah in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make a number of other oaths he will make a second set of oaths in this surah so Allah Azza wa Jal at the beginning mentioned the situation of Yawm Al-Qiyamah and then he mentioned the way that people respond to that day of Yawm Al-Qiyamah in terms of the, the way that they live their lives. There's two types of people, those who believe in Qiyamah, Yawm Al-Qiyamah and they work towards it, they prepare for it to the best of their ability and those people who deny it or they reject it or they may not deny or reject it but they're heedless of it and they neglect it in terms of not preparing for that day. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the way that people have the mindset that they have. So here Allah Azza wa Jalla after mentioning this issue of Yawm Al-Qiyamah and especially like the last three, four, five verses which was speaking about those people who denied Qiyamah because they're the ones that received their record of deeds in their left hand. So these are the deniers, these are the non-believers, these are the people who rejected the, uh, the words of the Qur'an or, or the Qur'an in total and likewise the Sunnah or the message of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Here Allah Azza wa Jalla will now take a number of oaths to speak about the issue of Qiyamah and to, and to uh, reassert the issue that Allah Azza wa began this surah with. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse number 16, فَلَا أُقْسِمُ بِالشَّفَقَ I swear by the, glo- by the glow of the sunset. And that's the translation of Professor Abdul Halim Muhsin Khan. So I swear by the afterglow of sunset. Mufti Taqi, I swear by the twilight after sunset and Sahih International, so I swear by the twilight glow. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this verse, Allah Azza wa takes an oath and he says, فَلَا أُقْسِمُ بِالشَّفَقِ And Allah Azza wa is taking an oath because the word uqsim means to take an oath, al-qasim in the Arabic language is to take an oath. And Allah Azza wa adds in it the fa at the beginning, which is for ta'qib, so therefore, Right, so if you are going to deny, like those people who received their record in their left hands, they denied Qiyamah, they denied the resurrection, they denied everything. Therefore Allah Azza wa Jal says, I will take an oath to show that it is something which will surely happen. And Allah Azza wa Jal then also mentions the lam, fala. And this is similar to um, what we've mentioned before in the tafsir of Surah Al-Balad as to the la, which, which will literally or, or, or literally linguistically mean no. But how is it placed in a qasim in which Allah Azza wa Jalla is taking an oath by something? So when Allah Azza wa Jalla in Surah Al-Balad says, La uqsimu bihad al-balad, the meaning is not, I do not take an oath by the sacred city, but it is that I do take an oath by the sacred city. So where does the lamb come in? Where does this la come in? And what is its purpose? And we're not going to go through that in, in, in detail because we cover that in, in some depth uh, in the tafsir of Surah Al-Balad. So if it's something which you missed, or you weren't, uh, you weren't with us at that time, you can go back, inshallah ta'ala, to that particular lesson uh, or to the, trans- the, the transcribed notes. And, and you can go into that in a bit more detail. But just like to summarize this issue, because it's been a while since we did the tafsir of Surah Al-Balad. 
Dalam or Dala Alif Dala that is mentioned here, the scholars of Tafsir differ as to what it's referring to. So some of them said that it is uh, that Allah Azza wa Jal uses the La uh, in, in the Qasim to show that it is something which, uh, which or, or, or it is to deny something which the Quraysh or the Arab or the non-believers, whoever it was that Allah Azza wa Jal is speaking about, uh, that they believed in. Allah Azza wa Jal denies what they believe in by adding the La. So it's as if Allah Azza wa Jal is saying, Fala, no, it is not the way that you think or you believe or you understand, and I take by that an oath, or I take an oath by then whatever Allah Azza wa mentions. Uh, and, and some of the scholars said it is mahdhuf, like the meaning of the lamb, it is something which is hidden. So we don't really know what Allah Azza wa is, is, is uh, so the la here is nafia, it is to negate something. What is it negating? We don't know exactly because it's not mentioned, it is hidden. But it's understood that Allah Azza wa is negating the incorrect beliefs of the Quraysh or the Jews and the Christians or whoever it may be that Allah is referring to in the context of that surah. And so that's one position amongst the scholars of tafsir. So it is that the la is there, but it's almost as if it's something separate to the rest of the verse. La uqsimu bihadhal balad, la. No, it's not the way that you think. It's not the way that you believe. And I take an oath by the sacred city. So in this con- in context, I swear by the glow of the sunset. So no, it's not what you believe, O people who denied you Qiyamah, who thought that you would never be resurrected, because Allah Azza wa mentions, as we said in the last uh, lesson, he thought that he would never return to us. It's not, it's not that way. It's not the way that you think, or the way that you deem, or the way that you understand. That is incorrect. But Allah Azza wa takes an oath and swears, by the glow of the sunset and then obviously as the verses will come on we will see where the jawab al-qasam is so that's one position amongst the scholars of tafsir uh, and the other position that you will find also amongst the scholars of tafsir you will often find this in the books such as al-qutubi and ibn atiyah and many of the books will say this that it is la zaida it is a additional la meaning that it doesn't really have a function here but it's something which is entered in the arabic language to emphasize the Qasim emphasized the oath that is being taken. Uh, and, and it's almost as if by using the no, fala, which usually would negate something, but here it doesn't play that role. It is something which is just additional, has no particular effect on the rest of the, of the verse, but it is something which is added to, to draw attention. It is to bring people's attention to it. That what is this that is being negated before the oath is even taken? Fala uqsimu bishavaq. لا أقسم بهذا البلد لا أقسم بيوم القيامة ولا أقسم بالنفس اللوامة and so it is something which which number one uh, emphasizes the meaning number two it draws attention brings attention to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to take an oath regarding and there are other positions that you will find also in, in, in the books of tafsir but that is like one of the most common ones so one of the most common ones is that it's something which is referring to Either a za'ida, it is something which is additional, or that it is something which is there, it is nafia, it is something which negates the meaning, but it's there, it's done for something which is mahdhuf, it is hidden, or it's not mentioned explicitly, it is implicitly understood that Allah Azza wa Jal is negating the false beliefs of the people, depending on what the context is, the false beliefs that the people had, and affirming therefore something else 
which is correct and which is true. So in this context, that would be, uh, if we took that particular position, that it's a negating la, that the la is negating the position of those people who received their record of deeds behind their back in terms of their rejection of Yawm Al-Qiyamah, in terms of their rejection that they would turn back, return back to Allah Azza wa Jal, in terms of their rejection of the Akhirah and everything that they did, Fala. None of that is true. None of that is as you perceive. Uqsimu bishafaq, but I swear by the glow of the sunset. The word ashafaq in the Arabic language, this is something which uh, for those of you that have studied uh, fiqh, it's a word that you'll probably have come across when you study the book of Salah and in particular Muwaqit al Salah, the timings of the prayers. Because as we know, the Prophet is mentioned in some hadith such as the first hadith in the Mutta of Imam Malik that the Prophet for his Salah times, Jibreel came one day and he prayed all of the Salawat at the early time. And then he came the following day and he prayed the Salawat at the ending time, the, the late or the last time. And then he said to the Prophet that each prayer is in between these two times. So one day he came at the early time of Fajr, as soon as Fajr enters, the, the, the true Fajr, he prayed with him. The second day he comes and he comes when it is sunrise. So he says the prayer is between these two times. So this is something which you will find in the books of Hadith, but it is often a, a, an issue which is discussed in the books of Fiqh, uh, in terms of, for example, and, and in particular when it comes to this word, Ash-Shafaq, the Maghrib prayer. What is the timing of the Maghrib prayer? The timing of the Maghrib prayer is Ghurubu Shams. When the sun sets, it is time for Maghrib, as we know. The sun sets, it's time for Maghrib. Okay, when does it finish? It finishes when the Shafaq disappears. So when the Shafaq goes, then we have uh, the time of Isha entering and the time of Maghrib finishing. So this is uh, something which you'll find in the books of Fiqh, as I said, the Shafaq. What is the Shafaq? What is that time that if when it, when it take when it comes in or after it finishes, or then the uh, the time of Isha comes in, that is something which the scholars differed over. You will see here that they differed over it in tafsir, and then they also therefore differed over it in fiqh as well. So as for in terms of tafsir, just to mention uh, some of the positions that you will find amongst the early scholars of tafsir as to what it means. The first position is that it's referring to the whiteness in the sky. So when Maghrib comes in and the sun sets, you will see a redness in the sky, a redness in the sky. That redness is often referred to as shafaq, the redness. And when the redness finishes, then we have the time for Isha. But after that redness finishes, there is normally a, a, a short period of a, a, a white light, like a, almost like a twilight. It is a, a, a light that is not red, there's not redness in the sky, but a whiteness in the sky that lasts for a short while. And some of the scholars said, no, that is what Shafaq is. So some of the scholars who said that it's referring to the whiteness or some of the uh, positions that you will find in the books of Tafsir that say that it's referring to the whiteness. You have a statement of Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu anhumah and Abu Hurairah radiyallahu an, and from the scholars who came after them, Umar ibn Abdul Aziz rahimahullah ta'ala, all of them said that it's referring to al-bayat, it's referring to the whiteness. And then you have other scholars and especially the Iraqi uh, mufassirin they took the position that it's referring to the redness, the redness that you find in the sky. So Makhul, for example, and others said that it's Al-Humrah. It is the redness of the sky. And Mujahid said 
it is the daytime when it ends. It is when all of the light ends or the day when it ends. Uh, and before we go into the issue in, in, in slightly more detail, um, Al-Baqa'i, who we mentioned last week, Al-Baqa'i, who, who has this uh, tafsir in which he looks at tanasub, he looks at the relevance of certain verses and why one uh, subject matter follows another, why one surah follows another, why one theme follows another. Uh, he says here that Allah Azza wa Jalla, after mentioning uh, the situation of the people, of how they, they reject what the messengers brought, of the message of Allah Azza wa Jalla, which is Tawheed and Resurrection. Believe in Allah Azza wa Jalla, worship Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala, prepare for Yawm Al Qiyamah. You will return back to Allah Azza wa Jalla, Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala will hold you to account. He says, after Allah Azza wa Jalla mentioned those people that reject this, they deny this, then Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala to show the importance of this issue and to show that it is something which is true and it is a reality that will take place, Allah Azza wa Jalla then makes, takes this qasam or takes these number of oaths that will be mentioned now in this verse and the next one or two verses that follow it as well. And so he says, and this is, um, this is, uh, this is something which Allah Azza wa mentions here to show that it is true what the messengers brought and what was mentioned in Revelation that Allah Azza wa will resurrect everyone and Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala will gather all of creation before him on Yawmul Qiyamah. So as we said therefore we have these we have these three positions amongst that you will find in the early books of Tafsir as to what is what is the Shafaq referring to. Allah Azza wa takes an oath by the Shafaq what is the Shafaq? And Imam Muttabali in his tafsir, he also mentions all three. He mentions all three. He said some of them said that it is Al-Humrah, it is the redness of the sky. Others said it is Al-Nahar, it is the daylight. And others said that it is the whiteness. It is the whiteness which comes after the redness in the sky. And he chose the position himself. Uh, and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best, but Imam Tabri chose the position that it is the redness in the sky, that it is the redness in the sky. And as I mentioned before, um, that this issue is an issue of difference of opinion, just as it is an issue of difference of opinion of the exact timing of what it refers to, because the hadith that speak about the timing of salah, speak about the shafaq that the Prophet wasallam, when he prayed Maghrib prayer at the early time, it was at ghurub, when the sun set, and at the later time, it was after the shafaq had gone. That's what you find in the books of hadith. After the shafaq had gone. What is the shafaq? That's where they differed. So just as they differed in the books of tafsir, you will find that they differed also in the books of fiqh, amongst the scholars of fiqh. So in the four madhabs, uh, in the four madhabs that we have, uh, the majority of the scholars, three of the four madhabs, took the position that it's referring to the redness in the sky. Once the redness goes, the time of isha comes in. And this was the position of the Malikis, the Shafi'is, and the Hanbalis. These three madhabs, Malikis, Shafi'is, Hanbalis, they took that position. And Imam Abu Hanifa, the Hanafis, they took the position of, no, it's the whiteness. And the difference is, is, is not major in terms of time, because once the redness goes, the whiteness doesn't last for a very long time. Uh, however, still, there is a difference though in terms of, you know, obviously this makes a difference in terms of a person's salah because if you catch that time, then you pray the salah in its correct time. And if you miss that time, then your prayer is qada, right? You're making up that prayer, you prayed it beyond its time. 
So it does have uh, obviously a uh, an impact in terms of the fiqh ruling. But they differed over this issue. So the majority went with it being the uh, the redness in the sky and the others said, or the Hanafis said, that it is the whiteness in the sky. But the majority of the scholars of tafsir that I found from Imam Tabari onwards, uh, they took the position that it's referring to the redness of the sky. So Ibn Atiyah, for example, after mentioning that the lamb is za'id, la za'idah, uh, that, it's, that it's an additional lamb, and as I said before, that that's the one that you will find in many of the books of tafsir, especially the linguistic books of tafsir, this is what you often find. So if you look at, for example, Qurtum, you look at Ibn Atiyah, you look at a lot of these books, they will often say that the la is za'idah in the qasim, in this, in this uh, when we have this, when we have the, the, the books of tafsir, and we have the la, in a verse that is an oath, the la is za'idah. It is extra, meaning it doesn't have any function in terms of the meaning. So the lamb, normally when you say la, it means no, or it negates, or it prohibits. So when they say za'idah, this is what they mean. They don't mean that it's just extra or it doesn't have any benefit. No, they mean that it doesn't do its normal function. What does it do, therefore? As we said, it's to emphasize, it's to draw attention so it has a function, it has a, lingu- uh, an, an, a function of eloquence in the Arabic language, but it doesn't have the function of its usual meaning in a sentence or in a verse. So he says, Allah Azza wa Jal, the la is za'idah. And then he also mentions other position also, that the la is raddan ala aqwaril kuffar, that it is to negate the positions of the non-believers. And that is because they said that there would be no resurrection. So it is, as the other position says, as we mentioned, that the la is Nafia, that it is to negate. What are they negating? It is implicitly understood that Allah Azza is negating what? Their positions before taking an oath. So Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala uh, then takes an oath, He says, and Allah Azza only takes an oath, as we've said before, uh, by His creation, that which He wishes to honor and to show to us its importance. And so Allah Azza often, as we know in the Quran, takes an oath by the moon, takes an oath by the sun, takes an oath by the day, takes an oath by the night, takes an oath by a number of things. But here Allah Azza wa isn't taking an oath just by the moon or the sun or the day or the night. He's taking an oath by a very specific point of time. And it is a very beautiful point of time, like a point of day. The shafaq, if you've ever been out, and especially if you've been uh, elevated ground, or you're traveling, for example, and there's not like a lot of big tall buildings and skyscrapers around you because they would prevent you from being able to see the shafaq clearly but if you can see the shafaq if you're driving for example in the UK sometimes on the motorways if you're driving and it's time for Maghrib and you just have fields around you so you're in the middle of a motorway there's no buildings or no tall construction around you and you're on the hills you'll see the shafaq let the sun set properly and then you will see a redness in the sky which is very beautiful it's very nice when the when the, when the sky is clear it's a beautiful sight to see. Uh, and so Allah Azza wa Jal is taking an oath by something which has a great deal of beauty to it or in it. But also as Ibn Ashur rahimahullah ta'ala mentions in his tafsir, he says and perhaps Allah Azza wa Jal also takes an oath by the shafaq because it is relevant to the issue here of qiyamah and resurrection and the ending of the world. Because what that shafaq shows is the end of daylight. Because even when that redness is there, even though the day uh, the day finishes when the sun sets, but there's still light in the sky. So the shafaq still brings light. There's a redness 
there's a whiteness in the sky, that's still light. When does Isha come in? When there's no light left in the sky. So once that shafaq disappears, it becomes dark. That darkness now, that's the time for Isha. So this is why Ibn Ashur ta'ala says that perhaps there is also a link between the subject that Allah Azza wa Jal, or the, the theme that Allah Azza wa Jal is mentioning here and between the oath that Allah Azza wa Jal is taking on the shafaq because the shafaq is similar to the very end of something. So just as a person, the very end of their time is towards their death, the very end of this dunya will be just before Yawm Al-Qiyamah, then likewise the very end of light during the day is with the shafaq. And as the shafaq disappears, and as the shafaq surely ends and the night comes in, then likewise a person's life will also come to an end, and death will come in, and likewise this dunya will come to an end, and the akhirah will begin and it will come in. And so that's something which is also, um, which Ibn Ashur ta'ala mentioned, and it's possible that Allah Azza wa, uh, that's the reason why Allah Azza wa takes an oath here with a shafaq. So the position of the majority, as we said, that a shafaq is the redness in the sky. So Allah Azza wa takes an oath by the redness of the sky. That was the position that was chosen by Tabari, chosen by um, Ibn Atiyah, was chosen by uh, the teacher of our teacher, Shaykh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shanqiti, ta'ala, many of the scholars of tafsir. And that's because, as we've said, in the fiqh position, the majority of the fuqaha of the position that the shafaq refers to the redness of the sky. So that is therefore the position that they also took in terms of the tafsir of the verse. And Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. And then in verse number 17, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes a second oath. And he says, وَاللَّيْلِ وَمَا وَسَقُ And the night, by, by the night and what it covers. And that's the translation of Professor Abdul Harim and Sahih International and Mufti Taqi have the same translation and by the night and what it envelops and Muhsin Khan and by the night and whatever it gathers in its darkness whatever it gathers in its darkness and you can see therefore that Muhsin Khan goes slightly into detail in his in his translation um, and that's because he uh, he is uh, mentioning the tafsir as we will see now the tafsir of Mujahid so what does the word wasaq mean? Allah Azza wa Jalla takes an oath by a layl, by the night. Very clear. Wama wasaq, and what it also entails or in covers or envelops, and this was the position of the majority of the scholars of tafsir. They all had different, slightly different wordings or slightly different terms that they used to say one and the same thing. And as we've mentioned before, often you will find. In, in the early books of tafsir, the scholars of tafsir use sometimes different words, different expressions, uh, different ways of saying the same thing. But the meaning is one and the same. So when the meaning is one and the same, or very close, uh, very similar, then it doesn't really make a difference, the fact that they use different words or different expressions. That's just like normal uh, human nature, the fact that none of us necessarily will use exactly the same words to describe the same thing. That's very common. So Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma said that it refers to وَمَا دَخَلَ فِي everything which enters in the night and Qatada and Sa'id ibn Jubair and Al-Hassan al-Basri rahimahullah ta'ala uh, they said وَمَا جَمَعَ what it gathers and Ikrimah said مَا حَازَ إِذَا جَاءَ اللَّيْلِ that which settles when the night comes in and Mujahid said similar to the translation that we have of uh, Muhsin Khan وَمَا جَمَعَ يَقُولُ مَا آوَى فِيهِ مِنْ Whatever it gathers in its darkness of all the creatures. And that's the one 
that also that Imam al-Bukhari rahimahullah ta'ala also chose in his, in his sahih, as we said, he often takes the tafsir of Mujahid in his, tafsir, in his sahih when it comes to his kitab al-tafsir or his chapter on tafsir. And Ibn Zayd, uh, as we mentioned uh, last week, maybe or the week before, Abdurrahman Ibn Zayd ibn Aslam, from the scholars of the Atba'u Tabi'een, from the Imams of Tafsir, he said Al-Wasaq refers to everything that is gathered, everything that Allah Azza wa gathers in the night, everything that settles in the night. Uh, and the uh, and so everything which gathers together settles and is covered by the darkness, that is what is wasaq. That is what is wasaq. And all of these, therefore, you can see are similar in meaning. Similar in meaning in terms of it is everything which is gathered together, everything which is brought together, everything which brings it together. This is basically what the word wasaq means. In the Arabic language, linguistically, wasaq is something which is gathered together or brought together. So the Arabs use the word wasaq um, in, 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 in different contexts, but all, all with a very similar meaning of gathering together and bringing together and so on. And from the words or from the meanings of the word wasaq and the context that you will find it in, in, in classical Arabic, is that it's used as a measurement. It's used as a measurement. So for those of you that have read uh, even some of the books of fiqh, but especially the books of hadith, you will have come across this word of wasaq as a measurement. So in the time of the Prophet وسلم, as we know, the measurements that they had wasn't the weights that we're used to in terms of the imperial system or the metric system. They didn't have kilograms or stones or any of those issues. What would they do? They would use their hands and then they would have bowls that they would use to measure things with that were taken from an average hand, for example. So they have uh, the mud, right, which is the handful, that's something which which is very common. You'll find it uh, mentioned in many of the books of uh, many of the books of fiqh and so on. And then you have the sa', which is four of these handfuls, so four muds. Remembering a sa', and that's also mentioned, for example, even in the books of the Sunnah and the books of fiqh, it's mentioned not only in zakah and issues like that, and in terms of like buyu and transactions. It's also mentioned in wudu in the hadith of Anas radiyallahu He said the Prophet sallallahu alaihi used to make wudu with a mud. And you would take a bath of ghusl with a sa of water, meaning four of them. And that shows how how much they used to conserve water because obviously water was at a premium, it's a precious commodity in that time. And so the Prophet ﷺ wouldn't use much water in terms of bring or making his wudu and bathing and washing and so on and so forth. So that's something which you find. So you have the mud, the handful, the sa, which is four, and then you have a wasq, a wasq. This word here, وَمَا وَسَقْ وَاللَّيْلِ وَمَا وَسَقْ الْوَسْقْ And الْوَسْقْ is measured as 60 sars. So 60, so one mud, four of these is a sar. 60 of those sar we call a wasq in the Arabic language as a measurement in the time of the Prophet wasallam. Roughly speaking, 60 sars will be considered to be a wasq. So it's another measurement. And it is a big measurement, as you can see. So now we're talking about like a big volume of something. And that's why the word wasaq in the Arabic language, as we said, is something which gathers together. So they used wasq because of that meaning to speak about a great volume of something, a great amount of something. So, for example, it's mentioned in the hadith of um, Abdullah ibn Umar, radiyallahu uh, anhuma, that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, when he, when he uh, conquered... Khaybar, when the Prophet ﷺ conquered Khaybar, 
the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam would receive from Khaybar his wealth for himself, right? That which belongs to the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and what he would give to each one of his wives was one hundred wasq a year. So the provision that he would give for each of his wives, this is their life, this is their eating and their drinking and their for that whole year is a hundred wasq. So we said a wasq is sixty sa, a hundred wasqs a year. And the hadith and this hadith in Sahih Bukhari, he says that eighty of those wasqs would be dates because this is coming from Khaybar. So when the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam conquered Khaybar, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam the Jews used to live in Khaybar. So when the Prophet conquered Khaybar around the sixth or seventh year of the Hijrah, when he conquered Khaybar, he agreed with them that they could remain there for as long as the Muslims allowed on the condition that they work the land and the profits are half and half. So they do the work, they, they cultivate the land, they, they, they do what they, because this is what they were doing anyway beforehand. They continue doing what they're doing, but they will give half of the produce to the Muslims. <clears throat> this is like the, the tax that they will pay and half they can keep for themselves. So from that half, the Prophet wasallam would take from it an amount that belongs to him, for him, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and then the remainder would be given to the companions of the Muslims. So from the amount that was given to him, he would give and provide for his family, for his wives. So he would give a hundred wasq to each one of them, a hundred wasq to each one of them per year. Eighty of those wasqs would be of dates, and twenty of them would be of barley or wheat. Twenty would be wheat, eighty would be uh, dates and similar to that is the hadith uh, that you will find of Abdullah ibn Rawaha of Abdullah ibn Rawaha uh, rahimahullah uh, radiyallahu an Abdullah ibn Rawaha was the companion that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam sent to uh, to go and, and, and to deal with the people of Khaybar so he would, would be the one who would go and he would bring the the, the, he would bring the the food back to the Prophet Each year he would go to Khaybar at the time of their harvest and to settle the half that belongs to the Muslims, the half that they can keep. And this is mentioned in Sunan Abi Dawood, it's mentioned in the Muslim Imam Ahmad, mentioned in some of the collections of hadith. So Abdullah bin Rawaha, when he would go, he would uh, bring all of it together. He would then divide it into two, divide it into two, and he would say to them, you choose which of the halves that you want. You choose. Even though the Muslims are the ones in charge, like they conquered the land, it belongs to them. Usually what happens, the conqueror comes, they choose the good half. They choose what they like. They take that and the other half they leave or the lesser half they leave. Abdullah ibn Rawaha wouldn't do that. He would come and he would bring it together, divide it into two. He would say to them, you choose first. And so this is something which impressed them. And they said, as is mentioned in, in, in some, some, of the, uh, some of the narrations, they said, This is the justice of the, the, the heavens and earth is based upon. Meaning this is the justice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the justice of the region of Allah azza wa jal. You gave us the choice. You could have taken it first, but you gave it to us. So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and there's many narrations actually, you should go back and read the stories of Khaybar very interesting what they uh, tried for example they tried to bribe Abdullah bin Rawaha uh, to say like you know give us extra 
and we'll give you some from that as well for you personally. And, you know, you can fiddle with, because the Prophet just said, one companion, you're in charge, we trust you, you go. So if he had come back and said, for example, oh, Messenger of Allah, rather than 40,000 wasq, they only have 30,000 or 35,000 or 38,000, no one would go and check. So it's based upon a, a level of trust, but obviously he's a companion of the Prophet sallallahu so it's not going to be someone who's going to lie. And as mentioned in the Muslim of Muhammad, that the yearly, uh, the yearly amount that would come from the fields of Khaybar was 40,000 wasq. 40,000 wasq. So wasq, as we said, each one is 60 sa. So it's a great deal, 40,000 wasq. So 20,000 the Muslims would take, Abdullah bin Rawaha would take back to Medina for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa 20 wasq, uh, 20,000 wasq, they would keep in Khaybar, the people of Khaybar. And so that's what he would divide. And then he would say to them, you choose which of the two you want. So the word wasq, why is it called wasq? It's called wasq because it's a great amount that is gathered together. 60 sah becomes a great amount that is gathered together. And so this is what Allah Azza wa Jal, uh, according to the majority of the scholars of tafsir, if not all of them, they said this is what this is what it refers to. The night and that which it gathers or that which it covers or that which it brings together. Meaning Allah Azza wa Jal takes an oath by the night and everything that the night covers, everything that settles in the night, everything that goes back in the evening to its home, or to its burrow, or to its nest, or to its whatever place that it lives in. And it goes and settles there. Allah Azza wa takes an oath by each and every single one of them. And this is what Imam Al-Tabari, rahimahullah ta'ala, also said. He said, Allah Azza wa says, وَاللَّيْلِ وَمَا جَمْعَ Allah Azza wa takes an oath by the night and that which it gathers. From everything which settles, every living thing that settles, whether it settles, uh, whether it flies and then it settles in the evening, whether it's in the oceans and it settles in the evening, whether it's on land and it settles in the evening. And that's why he says, and this word comes from the verb, And he says, and from this word is the word of, uh, the, the Arabs say, food that is musaq, meaning that it's a big amount of it that has been gathered together. And he says, also from this is الوسق, the measurement. Because they call it this, because there is a great deal of food that is gathered together, which can be weighed or can be measured by volume. And it is often said that the wasq is equal to 60 sa'a. So this is the position also that Imam Al-Tabari mentions, and he doesn't mention any difference of opinion. So Imam Al-Tabari in his tafsir, as we know, if there's differences amongst the scholars of, of, of old, the tabi'een, the companions and so on, he will say, this is the position that I think is the strongest, but others said this and others said that. But Imam al-Tabri sometimes he only mentions one position, and that's because, as you can see, all of these different statements, Mujahid, Hassan, Sayyid ibn Jubair, Ibn Abbas, all of them, even though the wording differs, the meaning is one and the same. And that's why Imam al-Tabri suffices with that particular one. Ibn al-Qayyim, <coughs> Ibn al-Qayyim, he says that Allah Azza wa Jal takes an oath by the night and that which it gathers. So just as we said that the shafaq, Allah Azza wa Jal takes in the previous verse an oath by the shafaq. And Ibn Ashur said that it's something which signifies or can 
be understood uh, to, to uh, it's mentioned because it can be understood from it that it signifies the end of the dunya that just as the shafaq is the end of the day then likewise the dunya will end and just as the day gives gives way to the night then likewise the dunya will give way to the akhirah that's something which will happen and likewise will layli wa ma wasaq and the night and that which it gathers just as everything settles down at night the night encompasses all covers all everything settles and goes in that night then likewise yawm al-qiyamah will cover all it will encompass everything and therefore it is something which each and every single person will have to deal with it is something which each and every single person will uh, will bring and ibn qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala says the shafaq uh, signifies the end of the night and the beginning of sorry the end of the day and the beginning of the night and in and of itself, it is a sign from the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it shows that when one state finishes, another one begins. One begins, the other one ends. Each one of them has benefits. The day has benefits. When we go and work and we go out and we seek rizq and sustenance and so on, the day has benefits and the night also has its own benefits of resting and settling down and going home and so on. Each one of it has its benefits. So he says, the coming of the day is an ayah, a sign from Allah Azza wa Jal. The end of the day and the coming of the night is another ayah, a sign from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he says the shafaq is something which straddles both, shows the end of the day, the beginning of the night, and so Allah Azza wa Jal takes an oath by it. And everything therefore that takes place uh, what the shafaq represents of the day and the night, everything that takes place, the moon, the sun, the stars, each and every single one of them is a sign from the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is a sign from the signs of Allah azza wa So Ibn Qayyim wa ta'ala says, and these signs also show the the lordship of Allah azza wa jal, his creation subhanahu wa ta'ala, the power of Allah azza wa jal and his ability and his uh, his command of the universe. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded everything in this way. And this is why he said it is the salah, uh, salatul maghrib that we pray at this time also. And it is the only salah, the only salah of the uh, of the five salawat that is an odd number. Right? So fajr is even, dhuhr is even, asr is even, isha is even number in terms of rak'ahs, two or four. Maghrib is the only one that is odd. And so the scholars say that the Maghrib salah is the witter of the day, just as the witter prayer is the witter of the night. So witter means it's odd. So the Maghrib prayer is the witter of the daylight, of the nahar, of the day time. So the daytime, the witter is Salatul Maghrib. We pray three rak'ahs. And the witter of the night is the normal witter prayer, whether you pray one or three, it is the uh, witter of the night. And so at the beginning of the day and the beginning or the, or, or, yeah, at the beginning or the end of the day and the end of the night, there are witter prayers, odd prayers. And as we know, Allah Azza wa Jal, inna Allah witrun yuhibbul witr, Allah Azza wa Jal is singular. He is alone, subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is an odd number and therefore he loves that which is an odd number. And as we know, there's numerous ahadith that speak about the virtues of doing things in odd numbers, even in salah, in the adhkar that you read, in sajda, in ruku'ah. 
it's better to read an odd number if you don't do one is the minimum doing three is better and then if you're going to increase to do an odd number is also good the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam when he would eat dates he would eat them in odd numbers um often like even when he would cleanse himself sallallahu alaihi wasallam he would often do so in odd numbers so the odd something which is very common and obviously the number seven is very frequent in terms of the hajj and the umrah and tawaf and sa'i and stoning all of those things so that's something which is which is well known so Allah Azza wa gives to us these signs from his signs subhanahu wa ta'ala and all of them therefore show also that just as these are signs of the dunya in terms of the shafaq and what it denotes in terms of the night and what it brings the cover that it brings and what it envelops then likewise yawm al-qiyamah is also going to come just as the shafaq shows the end of the day the beginning of the night then yawm al-qiyamah will show the end of this life this dunya and the beginning of the akhirah and then just as the night covers everything there's no exceptions the night comes upon everything then likewise yawm al-qiyamah will also come upon everything no one will be missed out no one will be able to escape from that day and Shaykh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shinqiti <coughs> rahimahullah ta'ala he said وَاللَّيْلِ وَمَا وَسَقْ the word وَسَقْ is الْجَمْعُ وَالضَّمُّ لِلشَّيْءِ الْكَثِيرِ it is to gather and to bring together something in a great amount and from it he said as as uh, others Tabari and others said and from it we have the measurement al-wasaq which is a measurement that was used in the time of the Prophet وسلم, a volume and it is equal to 60 sa to 60 sa and he says and there are other uh, meanings in Arabic language of the word wasaq that people say but this is the strongest of those meanings and so the meaning here, he says, is the night and all of the different creatures, all of the different creations that the night begins, whether that's in the heavens, so the stars and the moon, whether that be on the earth in terms of the humans and the jinn and everything else that comes out during the night. The night gathers everything. And we obviously know that in the sunnah there are certain adhkar that you read for the night, the certain things that the Prophet ﷺ used to say concerning the night and how uh, how uh, it is a time when the shayateen come out and so on and so therefore it is something which covers everything and he says it is as if uh, this is Shaykh Muhammad he says when Allah Azzawajal takes his oath of the night and everything which it covers which is basically all of the creations of Allah Azzawajal therefore because the night covers everything he says, It's as if Allah took an oath by everything. Because what the night covers is everything. So it's as if Allah took an oath by everything. And he said it is similar to the verse in which Allah takes the oath. I take an oath. And again, the lamb is mentioned here. The la. I take an oath by that which you can see. And that which you cannot see. He says it is similar because the night and everything that it covers, things that you can see, things that you can't see. And Allah elsewhere in the Quran takes an oath, as we know, uh, in this way when he says that he takes an oath by that which we can see and that which we cannot see. So I think this is a good point for us to uh, to finish today's lesson, these two verses, inshallah ta'ala. And then next week we have another, a third oath that Allah takes which is to do with the moon and then we have the Jawab al-Qasim as we come now towards the last part or the latter verses 
of this surah. If there's any questions, inshallah ta'ala, we'll take uh, some questions. If not, then inshallah we can conclude for today. So if there's no questions, inshallah, then we'll conclude here. Barakallahu feekum. Wa sallam ala bin Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wa sallamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.